When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Joss Stone. Thanks for joining me for a cup of happy. I spent the last few years singing my songs in every country in the world and been lucky enough to meet incredible people from all walks of life. What really struck me is that no matter where we are, we're all on the same mission. We're all just trying to find our version of happy. So with this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to a whole host of people to dig deeper into the what, why, and how of this emotion we call happiness. I hope that with these conversations, you discover something to help you on your own quest for happiness, possibly change your mind on a few things, and along the way, share a good old laugh with me and my guests. Today's guest is a real-life Hollywood megastar. With a career spanning over three decades, he's arguably one of the most recognisable faces on the big screen. His charismatic and honest performances won him an Oscar and a Golden Globe. And as you'll hear, his energy is truly infectious. Matthew McConaughey is many things. An actor, a producer, a poet and a writer. One thing he has never been accused of is being shy and retiring, especially when it comes to the big issues in life. So we dive straight in. We speak about writing his book Green Lights and scratching away at old wounds his mum and dad's tumultuous love story, understanding ourselves better, to balance busy lives and the creative process, and the strength and capacity we all have within to believe in ourselves and to change our lives for the better. This conversation was a real journey. Matthew is bursting with wonderfully candid stories, but at the end of it, he's undeniably real, raw even. His unique outlook offers some really inspirational moments. And I just know you're going to love listening to this. The red light's on. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) How are you? I'm so good, yeah. I'm looking at your name and I just realised that your name looks like McNaughty. McNaughty? Has anyone ever said that to you? (laughs) When I look at it written, I'm like, oh, I'm on with McNaughty. If you throw a T in there, yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. That's my dyslexic brain. Making things up. Hey, do you know how many? I bet this happens for you too. Dyslexia, malaprops. How many times I'm telling a joke to my kids or somebody, and I think that it's so funny, and it's actually funnier because they, I malaprop the line, and they malaprop what they heard. I'm like, oh, geez. You malaprop it. What they heard was better than what I thought. Right. Yeah, exactly. And usually if they read it, for sure. I've never heard that before. Malaprop. Malaprop. Some of the best, I don't know, titles or, or bumper stickers or poems or sometimes when I'll, maybe I don't malaprop it, but who I'm talking to thinks I said something different than I did. And I'm like, right. actually, that's better. <laughs> actually, that's much better. That happens a lot in songwriting. Do you, yeah. do you ever write songs? Um, I write a lot of poetry, which... Yeah, but um, I, when I was reading your bits, I thought, he writes songs. I think very lyrically, like... I call it a bumper sticker. What is it really? It's an album title. 
Yeah, totally. Um, I have different things I'll break down and I like to deconstruct them into a bit of poetry, take something very academic mm-hmm. and that is maybe nerd language and colloquialize it and give it a little bit of a, you know, a little elbow grease or a little from the hip sling. And all yeah. of a sudden my mom can go, oh, now I get that. Or it's got some music to it. I love putting, making words lyrical or thoughts lyrical and a little poetic. So It definitely comes across, I have to say. And uh, I don't know how far Nashville is from Texas. How far is it? Is it a really long drive? Nashville's Tennessee. It's pretty far away. I mean, when I say pretty far away, um, probably a long way away according to European boundaries. Gonna say you should pop over. I live there now. You live in Nashville? Yeah, I'm just outside of Nashville by about half an hour. Okay. And I thought, you know what? We should get Matthew in, we can write a song. Well, love to. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking that. It's just it sounds that way when you're when you're reading your book, it sounds like songs. So hey, come on down. <laughs> Trying to hey, you know, do you know my good friend Butch Walker, producer? I don't know. But well, he lives over know. there outside of Nashville. He's a, he's he's a really good producer and he's a writer and a musician himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but he lives just outside of Nashville. I've never I've only been in Nashville through it one time, but I have many good friends there, and I've been uh, the you know you got the right kind of people that say oh you, you should come you're gonna dig it and you're like if they think I'm gonna dig it then I'm gonna dig it definitely yeah. so much music so much creativity yeah um so my partner Cody is a massive fan of all of your movies um and. Everything you say, pretty much, he's like, this guy's got his head screwed on. So I bought him your book as a gift, Green Lights. And it stayed in the car, actually. I don't know why, but it ended up in the car. So I like read little bits as he's driving. And I realized, oh my goodness, this book is like a, it's like a motivational handbook for having just a better life and making better decisions and a lot of it reminds me of my dad's advice. A lot of it. It's really quite interesting. Some of the things that you say is like, oh, so I thought you're the perfect person to have on a cup of happy. It, it will help people feel happier. So um, how did you come to writing Green Lights? What brought you to it? What brought me to it? Oh, big question. <laughs> well, look, I dared myself. Half-ass dared myself for decades about putting the writings that I had. I'd always kept a journal. I'm always taking notes. I'm always writing some form of poetry, but I always, my excuse was, well, I'll die. And maybe Camilla or a good friend can put that out in martyrdom. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got to be in my mid forties and I started to share some short stories, publish some short stories, perform some of the stories. And I was getting a good reaction going, Oh, that's great. And that helped with the confidence. And then I just finally took myself up on the dare and said, look, Let's put it out and see. I really wanted to see if I could pull off the challenge of, look, what do I come with? What have I succeeded in life with? I'm a performer. I bring you video. I bring you a face. I bring you bloodline. I give you music. You see me. You feel me. Well, can I pull off um, telling a great story through words alone? You don't get twinkle in my eye. You don't get a raised eyebrow. You don't get my, my, my body language. You don't feel my energy. You just got to be, can you do it through a word? And a sequence of words. And I I remember my goal was this. I was like, all right, McConaughey, there's a lot of people that are going to love your book because you wrote it, even if it's crap. There's a lot of people going to hate your book, even if it's awesome, just because you're McConaughey. I was like, can I write something, put words on a page that are worthy to share? If it was signed by Anonymous, 
Yeah. And at the same time, be something that only McConaughey could have written. And that was sort of my North star. Right. And, um, it got to be so much fun that I couldn't put the damn pin down. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You ever had that fever? Yeah, of course. You ever had that fever where you're, you know, it's like. Keep writing and writing. What, what do you mean? Sleep, sleep, eat. <laughs> what? Get out of here. You know, it was like 17, I was putting in 17 hour days. I couldn't put, I couldn't stop writing. I was on, on fire and I, and I get a couple hours sleep and I wake up. And very much. I've heard this musicians feel this way. And I had this experience. Yeah. At the beginning of the day. The hardest part was if I could just get the the first line mm-hmm. of a story. It just if it has the if it if it has the feel and the jig to it, then it would just. But getting that first line, the start would be the hardest part a lot of times. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it looks like there's going to be another one then afterwards. There must be if you if you've got that bug. Yeah, yeah. I've been crystallizing a lot of ideas that I started in green lights and. Uh, also trying to just switch gears into a little more of evolved, but also fun version of approaches mm. to this thing we're all doing. This thing called life, this rodeo we're all in, this song we're all singing, and this album we're all making that we're the author of uh, to such a great extent. And um, like in Green Lights, it'll be stuff that I've picked up along the way, things I've learned, things I've stolen. You started writing when you were 15, is that right? The, the journals were, yes. you began them when you were 15. Yeah. So that's a lot of time. What was it like looking back at all that? Was it quite crazy to look back at your thoughts then? Or That how- was probably the biggest reason why I hadn't done it before. Because it was kind of embarrassing in a lot of ways. It can be, can't it? I know what you mean. I've got songs from back then. Yeah, it's so weird and awful. <laughs> oh my God. And then you also, you know, you get older and you look back and you go, why did I scratch that out? No, yeah. it may have sucked. Maybe it was too raw. Maybe it was embarrassed you then, but no. And I, I always tell writers, now, don't scratch it out. Don't put white out over it. You know, leave it. It may, it, may be, it may be a piece of art later on because it was so awkward today. So I go back and it was embarrassing. And then what I started to notice is that, well, all the times where I would look back at stuff I had written or done that, I'm embarrassed about or don't go, oh, that was the best of me. Yeah. It's a cliche, but I wouldn't have had a lot of success and happiness I've had without the failures and pain that I had. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were indirect. They were, they were reliant on each other in a lot of ways. There are, there are times where I was an arrogant prick. I know it all, little arrogant prick. I can't imagine. No, not you. You're lovely. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. No. But what I noticed <laughs> is very soon in my story, Right after I was an arrogant know-it-all, I'm going, oh, my God, who do you think you were? I stepped in shit. Massively, I'm sure. <laughs> I, massively, right? And eight crow, right, for my arrogance. But I noticed that, oh, well, if you wouldn't have been such an arrogant prick, you wouldn't have the confidence or even false confidence to put yourself in a position to eat shit and learn a lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, you have to mess up. You've got to be brave enough to mess up. And sometimes that can come across as arrogance. But it's not. Sometimes yeah. it's just pure bravery. You're just like, yeah, I can do anything. Yeah. And sometimes vanity has been rewarding in my life. My vanity has put me in positions where I learned something that I wouldn't have learned if I wasn't so vain at certain times. Right. And I think there's, I don't know. So I started to see great value in all these things that we go, oh, well, no, that's not the best of us. I don't want to be that. No, you live through them. You come out the other side, you learn about them, you evolve some. And I would have learned the things I've learned 
along the way if I wouldn't have had the human stuff we like to cover up. Yeah, yeah, we need them. So can you explain a little bit about the green lights, the red lights and the amber lights? Yeah. So you traffic light, right? Green, yellow, red. You know, we're talking about albums or lyrics or titles. Mm. What's really ideal when we get past a word and we can just find a symbol, right? Mm. Rolling Stone. Yeah. You know, Nike Squish, whatever that is. You go, I know what that is. Grateful Dead. You look at it, you go, I know what that is. The symbol came to my mind. I think I was sitting in the traffic light one day and I was like, green lights, the highway of life. And like the stories I was just saying, those yellow and red lights in my life, the, the yellow lights when I've had to pause and be introspective and go, wait a minute, I'm going to look back and see why I keep tripping over that same stump in my path every day. It's a pause in life. It's sometimes, if it's all green lights, we're just going to go in circles and get dizzy, run out of gas. So a yellow light is sometimes we got to slow down and have a little look, consideration of what we just did to maybe update our iOS and move forward. Sometimes though, it's a red light. We need a full stop. Yeah. Someone dies. Someone gets sick. Whoa. I just hit a wall and we got to stop. We don't like yellow and red lights. They slow us down and make a stop in life. But one, there's lessons to learn in them. And two, they all do literally eventually turn green. And so I started to notice that the yellow and the red lights, my pauses in life, my trip ups and my hardships and loss of my father and stuff, that was a red light, actually had green light assets in them in the way that I was just talking about earlier. So that's why on the symbol, there's three green lights. Right. The red lights, and I'm writing about this in some of the new book. The art of living seems to be, what do we do with the yellow light? Right, when we're pondering. Do you slow down and say, I'm, 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 I'm going to take a moment, longer moment here? Or do you just put the damn pedal to the metal and say, I'm blowing this son of a bitch? So in the red light situation, persist, pivot, or concede, right? So my dad has said to me many times, this is why I'm so like chuffed about what you said here. He said, Joss, in life, you've only got three choices. You only ever have three choices. And if you can come up with a fourth, then you can take my house. And he says, the choices are put up and shut up, change it or get out. And I thought, Surely there's a fourth. And I'm there isn't. I can't find one. And you're saying this, persist, pivot, concede. Same three things. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. You just, you have to keep it moving, right? But you have to make some sort of choice and you do have the choice. And I think what I got from everything you've been saying is the choice is yours. And surely that should make you feel free in some way. It's scary and it's daunting, but Another way of saying what I think your dad's saying, what I'm trying to say is, look, mm. it seems that everything in life is between or on the other side of hanging on and letting go. Right. You know, there are certain moral bottom lines we got to hang on to through the storm and go, no, I'm sticking to this. And we're going to we change by staying the same. We dig in. Mm-hmm. There's other times where we got to go like, I'm running the red light, man. I'm going to figure <laughs> out how to fly on the way down. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and we got to go find out. We take the risk. Um, mm. There's certain things where we do want to persist. We quit too soon, so often. And persistence and endurance would have got us there, maybe. But then if you do that too long in the wrong situation, you're acting out the definition of insanity because you're banging your head against the same wall. When sometimes we need to say, yellow light, let me back up and reassess the situation. And then we say, oh. I've been banging my head against that door. 
Oh, that's right. I got the key in my pocket. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You know? um, and then there's ones where we, I think we just got to go, like I said, that, that white flag. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Okay. I give in. It is what it is. Ah, it's interesting, isn't it? There's so many different ways that we can put it. And the way that you've put it is a way that uh, a lot of people can understand. It's very direct. It's no nonsense. And I wonder if that's why you're a very balanced person. And I I also wonder, where did you get it from? Um, I know you talk a lot about your parents in the book and how they divorced and married and divorced and married. married. I'm just so, yeah. I'm so interested in that. It's like these people just, just knowing that alone, these people must have been so passionate and so fiery and yeah. just full of love and also anger at times, I'm sure. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I guess you must get it from that. But can you tell me a bit about your lovely parents? Because they really, yeah. they got to be inspiring you. So my mom saw my dad at a basketball game at University of Kentucky. He was across the court. She was a cheerleader and she told her sister, who was also <gasps> I'm marrying that man right there. They never, I'd met him. Goes and meets him, introduces, did you don't know this yet, but I'm your future wife. Oh my goodness. That's on hello. Oh. My dad's, uh, you know, pretty stoic man, plays on the football team, has a dog that walks around at his heel all day long. Dad's like, okay. Well, they start dating and mom's ready to like, this is going, this is going to happen. So like, when are you going to bend a knee <laughs> and ask me to marry you? He's like, well, I, mean, I don't know. He's playing football. He's people in Nashville know this. He's down in Kentucky playing under Bear Bryant on really well-known, great college football coach. Well, dad goes home for the summer and he's been dating my mom for just a few months. And guess who answers the door when he gets to his mother's house? My mom. Okay. She answers the door. My dad's like, Whoa. Hang on. Your mom is at his mom's house. At his mom's house. She'd already <laughs> gone down, preceded him, introduced herself to his mother as her future daughter-in-law. You're kidding. And had moved no. in his house and answered the door. And before she would <laughs> let him in his own house, handed him an invitation to his wedding. No. <laughs> yes. no, 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 no. That can't be real. Yes. What? Oh, my goodness. Okay, now. <laughs> Instead, you got 24 hours to, to shit or get off the pot. Was he like, okay? Or was he like, you are a complete nutter and I have to run a mile? No, I mean, that it worked. He asked you to marry him that, that, that next day and they got married, yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Well, yes. she was obviously right then. I mean, I don't know if he had a choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so your mum, she is the powerhouse. Yeah, she's the one that drove and she's the one that, to this day, my mother is a great example of the value of denial if you really commit to it. <laughs> oh my God, I can say the same about my mom sometimes. <laughs> the value of denial. If you really commit to it. Yes, yes, if, yes. You can't just throw a leg in there and touch the water. You got to dive in and go, didn't happen. It's not true. <gasps> And you're like, no, there's video. I was there. There's video evidence. We were all there. No. You know, so she's also makes things happen, just brings things into reality. And she's, you know, she saw what she wanted in my dad and said, here we go. And they got married. They got divorced. They got married. They got divorced. And they got remarried all to each other. 
Oh, that's so lovely. It's emotional. It must have been a roller coaster for you guys. But it's kind of amazing, isn't it? I think it was more of a roller coaster for my older brothers, probably, because they had had one divorce before I was born. The one that happened with me, I had gone off to live with my dad for a summer in a trailer park. And I was told that mom was on an extended vacation in Florida. (laughs) Only about six years ago in my life. (laughs) Because that was when I was eight. So I find out when I'm about 45 that, oh, that, so that extended vacation was actually the second divorce. Oh, really? I didn't know. We were just, so it wasn't that rocky because I didn't know. Um, I didn't have anything to really question it, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. What an amazing couple. It's, it's kind of terrifying and beautiful at the same time. They loved hard. They loved hard. Like I said, my mom, I tell the stories in there, and there was violence but that's how my mom to this day and she's 90 years right. young would, would raise her middle finger which is so crooked because it's been broke four times not by your dad by her by doing by banging his head bow, bow, bow. and she to this day would say i needed that to communicate oh yeah different time different generation <laughs> different time different person i don't even like raising my having to raise my voice you know but that's how they Communicate. And I think part of what I hope people are getting from the book is I'm not judging them. If anything, I, I, I accent their ways and means of how they went about it. We can agree, disagree. I don't choose to do things the same way, but the values that they instilled and, and that you go through and you love hard and you forgive hard. And, and I may not, I love you. I just may not like you right now, but our love's never in question. That was never in question, no matter how, wild things got even the breakups their divorces look at the divorces two divorces three marriages what went what ended up winning in the end the loved one yeah i mean so it's a beautiful story it's not for me to judge to go oh but no that that's a bad way to do it that's how they did it that's what they needed and though that was i think it's why i tell those stories in the book which are some of the more violent stories as the love stories because on paper, that's when it's all supposed to fall apart. Mm. On paper, that's when it's supposed to be, oh, it's over now. But it never was. Right. The fight in the kitchen with the knife and a ketchup bottle, bloods everywhere. Where well, how's that story end up? They make love on the kitchen floor. The love wins again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Scary, but quite, but quite amazing. Yeah, beautiful, you know? I'm glad it, I'm glad it ended with marriage. That's that's lovely. It ended with marriage, yes. But completely mad though. I mean it's like yeah. it hasn't been boring, has it, Matthew? Your no. life. That's for sure. No, it hasn't been boring. I can say that for sure. It has yeah. not been <laughs> So when you look back at your life now, you have now written this book and it's got moments, you know, from all over your life. I know it's hard to pinpoint, but what is the thing that makes you feel most like at peace? Like happy, is it family or kids or acting or singing or dancing or what is it? Look, more than one thing, like I love to be on my own and write. Oh, really? That's where I'm really peaceful, turned on and just love. But yeah, that's not my most peaceful place. If I feel like, oh, I hadn't seen the kids in a while or oh, I left something unattended back at the house or, ooh, did I leave Camilla too much stuff to do? I'll have that in the back of my mind. So 
you know, we have our work, we have our health, we have our spirit and our connection with our God or whatever we want to call him, her, or it. We have our family, we have our, our, our marriage. If I can just keep those five out of being in the debit section, out of being in the red. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and everything, not everything can run at, at peak performance. Like everything's just running at six star level right now. No, I mean, it's hard to do that. I, I really get into my writing or get into my career. I'm not tending to the family and as much as I could if we were together every day and going, hey, let's take a let's take a vacation together. Yeah. Um, you tend your work, you get obsessed with that. Uh, sometimes you look around, and you go, I haven't been getting my sleep. How's my health? Yeah. Or, you know, or how's my spirit right now? So if I can keep all those in the asset section, in the black, so to speak, right. then I can do all the all the other four all five of them at any one given time and feel completely present because I know everything else I left in pretty good shape. I don't, I'm not going to go back on my proverbial Monday morning and go, Oh my gosh, I'm so far behind or, or come back from a job and go, Oh my gosh, uh, my family, I got to really work to get us back together because we're all over the place. I kept them all. And if I can keep them all the balance of those things being in pretty doggone good shape at all times, that allows me to enjoy each one when I'm doing only one of those. Mm. much more it's hard to do isn't it especially if you're very passionate about what you do you have to give it everything right you have to really just if you're writing you've got to be in and like you say if you're thinking about something else you're not in you know and even if that's just for two hours of writing a day you have to be in it otherwise it's going to be crap well it's not gonna yeah it's it's i want to be i want i love the feeling of being obsessed yeah. singular vision and i for me like your mom yeah yeah but <laughs> to have like it's why i don't know i'm curious about this for you when i'm writing or doing something creative yeah my work days my meetings are in the morning so i can get them out of the way because then i'm going to start writing and if i get in a groove i don't want to finish line no i may go through five o'clock six o'clock through the night and Till the next day, I don't want anything to interrupt me if I get on a roll. Yeah. So if, if I'm sitting here and I'm going to have a day of writing, but I have a 3 p.m. today and that's five hours away, I still won't be able to go get singularly obsessed on my writing because I'm like, I know I have this little checkout time coming at three and it won't allow me to creatively completely commit. Mm. But it can be hard on those around us. And, you know, we got to have special people that understand it, that what that does for us to be so obsessed to have that singular vision, to not have to look over our shoulder and go, is all that taken care of? And like Camilla does that for me. I go to work. She's like, don't even look over your shoulder. I got it. Oh, she's so good. Ooh, you, so yeah. you, you found your person. Yeah. Did you know, like your mom knew, were you like, I'm going to marry that girl? The first thing, <laughs> and I wouldn't say I was, I immediately said, I'm going to marry that girl. But I remember when it was, she was moving across the floor I didn't say who it who is that. I said, "What is that?" <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> it was it was an emanation of something. I was like, "Whoa!" And right, right. I had all of these things that went through my mind that summed who she was up, her history and future, and uh, who she was. That happens when it's an impression. You know, you see somebody, you're automatically go. You you sum up someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we turn out to be. Sometimes you get to know them and you're like, well, I was way off on all these things and all these other things with her. Yeah. 
like my impression, imagine where my imagination went by just seeing her move 12 feet across the floor in that light, in that haze of that night, like the hundred things that I went, that is, she is, she, I was a hundred for a hundred. Really? They all, as I got to know her, all of my initial impressions were hundred percent correct. Oh my goodness. Oh, love is so magic, isn't it? It's cool. Yeah. Don't get me going on it. I'm such a, like, I'm a fairy tale girl. I love it. I think it's the whole point of life. Um, mm. But, you know, there are other things, but nothing really as good as that. I mean, what is better than love? So, and also with your kids, how many kids do you have? Three. Three. Three kids. Oh, wonderful. My goodness. So when you're making the book and maybe rehearsing for a movie or something, do they ever get involved? Um, are they like kind of helping you through it a bit? Here's where they're mainly involved is one, they come on location with me. So wherever I go, my whole family comes. Oh, nice. Which again, helps me not get in the debit on the family and stuff when I'm working. Cause I can come, I can leave in the morning, say goodbye and I can come home at night and see them. So I'm still in connection with them. Oh, that's so important. But I think this is where they get involved. They ask the innocent, silly question about what I did today. And even if I'm making something that's an R-rated movie, the material that is not appropriate for them, they ask me, I then have to swing the parable or tell it in a way that they go, oh, I get it. And it's very good for us as creative minds to go tell our story and tell the G-rated version, tell the parable version. How do you, how you, how I tell a story to my daughter is different than I tell the story to my wife. How I tell it to my wife is different than I tell it to the director. And so, but it's the same story. And so I, they, they push me to tell the story in different ways. And it's, it's good. It keeps, it's good for my mind creatively. You can see it from their eyes, which is yeah. a much, a much more um, innocent way of looking at things, which can be really yeah. pure and really helpful. So we are in the entertainment industry. And it's full of like magic in a way, because we're entertaining people. So it's like this fictitious beauty. Um, sometimes it's beautiful, sometimes it's dark, but it's always there to entertain people. And I've noticed on my path, a lot of people that are really bloody good at what they do, they get very deep into that. They can get that obsessed and then they don't come out and, and look after their other parts of their lives. It can really be so wonderful and so hurtful to their happiness, I've noticed. And I wonder like, why does this have to happen? And there are very few people I've come across that I don't think that that's happened to. And I don't think that that's happened to you. I think you've, you come across like, you've got a balance. Like you say, you're looking after the health of your house, you know. Why do you think that's happened with you? Like, what, mm. what happened in your head that decided that that wasn't going to happen? You know, did, did you avoid method acting for a reason? Or I don't know. I, I don't know what's gone on in your world, but for some reason it's working. I think that I've learned and I'm still learning to trust myself, to dive in the deep end, to put the blinders on, to lock the valuables in the other room and throw away the key and trust that I can get back in, to trust I'll come up the other side. I've, so I've been pretty good at when, if a dangerous reality comes or a habit comes to me that I'm like, I'm pretty good at projecting down the road and going, is, this a, is that a stop or a stay? No, that's a stop. Like there are times where I will indulge in something that is like, 
maybe not the best for me, but it really has turned me on creatively for the character. And I know this is a rental. This is not forever. And I, even in character, I'll know that, hey, yes, maybe partake, but that's not who you are. This is not who I'm going to be. This is not part of who I'm becoming. That line can get very mm. fuzzy. Yeah. But I have some non-negotiables in my life. My family is non-negotiable. My marriage is non-negotiable. My kids are non-negotiable. Yeah. So I've learned to navigate and go deep into even being, you know, you want to get almost unconscious when you get creative with a character. And when you're in that, you're susceptible. I have good people around me that keep the poison away, but keep people with daggers coming in, the kidnappers, the, 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 the mutinizers that keep them away. I'm not a big, I'm not a very social guy when I'm working at all. Okay. I really keep, in my own vessel. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not a fool. I mean, we have to watch, you know, when we're young, we do things because we can. Mm -hmm. As we mature, we learn hopefully to say, okay, I can, but do I want to? Right. Should I? Yeah. Is this good for me? Can I be considerate of what are the consequences of this, good or bad, if I do? And some certain things, I think if you get to whoever's going to, you know, dabble in, the devil's business that you just clock it for what it is Yeah, going in and name it because you're going to have to know when you got to pull the parachute. Yeah. And, or if you can't handle it, push it away. But then again, the problem with pushing things away is that stunts the creative the creative. Is yes. Associate. I see the connection. Yes. I can make this work. Uh-huh. It's the dance. Yes. Exchange. That's part of the beauty of the creative process. That's also the danger of it. It's the green light. Because right. you bring, you know, witches and bad guys and, and temptations and people that want to pick your pocket in when you're in the yes. Uh -huh. yeah. So, I mean, I've, it's taken years. I've done it for over 30 years. It's taken years to sort of I have a bit of insulation built around me and I'm wise to see it. You know, I'll, before I enter situations, I'll say this. I do walk and break my break my proverbial sandbox to make sure there's no broken glass and everything in it before I start getting that can do backflips in it. I do like to go, let me prepare the landscape, have a look at where I'm going, create my weather as best I can before I blow in the wind. Right, right. <laughs> I don't just always dive in and go, tell me what it is. No, oh ow, I got cut. Ow, I got you know, no. Have you just started doing that in the last like 10 years? Or has that always been your like your go-to. That's always been a bit of a habit. That's I think. good. It's sort of an architect before I'm a, in construction. Let's really lay back, look at the landscape. This is three months. This character does this and this and this. This is and I and now in a relationship, I talk about it. I even share it creatively with Camilla. This is this. This is where I understand it's fiction, but I have this part in me. So I'm going to have to turn the the turn. I have to turn the volume on this part in me for this role. But mm, I'm not. Mm. It's not who I'm becoming, you know? It's just right. It just worries me. I I see people, they go really in hard and it's amazing. They do this great job, but they can't get out of it. And then they just get sad and you see them sad and they stay sad. Because if that character was sad, then they're going to fucking stay there. Well, you're, look, we all feel, even me, it's hard to, dis, the, 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 the disengagement. Yeah. When I finish a role, I'm lost for a couple of weeks. I get the flu. I walk to the bathroom and forget that I wanted, what I went in there for, that I need to take a whiz. I'm like, uh, the, uh, yeah, I, no, I got two weeks of trying to find my, 
identity again. It's sort of a withdrawal from the from the obsession in that character where I had structure every day. I knew exactly when I went to work. I was prepared wow. for my work. And it was six days a week. And on the seventh day, I studied for it for the next day. And all of a sudden, six, three months of that. And I come out and I'm like, what do you mean? I got another Saturday in front of me. I don't know what the hell to do. Oh, Where's the structure? And it takes a couple of weeks for me to come out of that. I think it does for all of us, you know, and that loss of identity is kind of imbalanced. Yeah. Cause you're so, you're so in it. So how does your wife help you in that? If she's supporting you in that and she knows, okay, my baby's going to come home and he's going to not feel very well for a bit. So you know, she knows. <laughs> I mean, and if I have if I have a right in that two weeks where I may have more right angles or 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 or, or think something's more dramatic than it is, or she's like, hey, you know that's what happens. A couple of weeks, you're gonna be just fine. So just take it. This is all about taking it easy, land soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. I do get a bit of that when I come off tour, but that's just because I'm so tired. <laughs> it's not because I'm emotionally in a funny place. It's just exhaustion, you know. But yeah. And that's just, it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because you want to give it your all. But yeah. So if there, because I feel like this book, your whole thing at the moment, you are trying to help people to understand some things and you're trying to like give, you're giving you're always giving, but certainly with this book, with movies, you're giving all the time. You're giving a feeling and an emotion, but this is a really, really helpful to people. I mean, there's so many tips and tricks in here. There's so many things you can take from it. If there, if you could wave a magic wand and change something in the world, um, in even your world around you, just, just make life better for everyone around you, your kids, you know, what would you do if there was something, one thing? Make it obvious and proof that 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 we have a lot more potential than we give ourselves credit for a lot of times. Mm. That no, it's not if you can dream it, you can do it. But dreams are for believing in, and we reach them by dealing. Dealing to balance of that dreams and dealing, balance of reality and expectations. What, and what are we chasing? That's all, if we all asked ourselves, what can we bend a knee to? Whether you're religious, whether you're atheist, whether you're not, can you bend a knee to your future self? Can you bend a knee to your daughter, your sister, to somebody? Can you bend a knee to a hope? To have these things and actually believe in them, that we have the more, so much more of a capacity to believe in ourselves than we do. I think that like, you know, the old parable of Icarus flying too close to the sun, the sun melted the wings. Icarus is flying close to the sun. He's got his son with him and the and sun goes closer to the sun. And then Icarus says, whoa, whoa, don't go that close. The sun will melt your wings. Like if you fly too high. And the sun said, no, I'll do it. Flew up, boom, melted his wings. Icarus fell all the way to the ocean. Oh my goodness. I think that our life is much more Icarus in reverse. That so many times we think it's getting hot. We think, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could do that. It's getting hot. It's going to melt my wings. And that life is really saying, it's not even warm yet. No, nothing's even close to melting. Go, 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 go. Yeah, be brave. Go. Dare to dream. To believe in our in ourselves. And that's not to say that I'm saying that, you know, there's a different a difference between art and self-expression. You know, to be authentic and be completely honest does not mean we're being artists. If that was true, then any 
my, you know, my 15 year old diary would be as good as Shakespeare. It's not. <laughs> I was raw and expressive and authentic, but that doesn't mean it was art. Right. You know, um, but it can, but all art is self-expression. It, yes. You know? Yeah. 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 I think, look, I think we got to admit that life's not easy. And some people out there will go, who the hell are you talking about? I admit it's not easy every single day. It's not, life's not easy. I, I, I understand that. I'm not trying to be callous to that. I think though, for many of us, sometimes we don't, when we admit that it's not easy, things can become actually easier. We talked about love stories a lot earlier. My parents' love story is not your fairy tale love story. It was violent. It was me, but it was a still a love story and a beautiful love story. Yeah, it was someone else. Everyone's got their different ways. It takes takes it takes all kinds, and we gotta uh, yeah. look. It's hard to find what works for us as well. That's hard. I talk about this in the book. It's hard to know who we are. So let's start with process elimination and eliminate who we're not, and deny. <laughs> who we're not, and we end up finding more of who we are. But I, I think that for humanity to click on of our potential to believe in ourselves and actually change ourselves for the better, it's, it's much simpler than, than, we, than we like to believe that it is. Mm-hmm. Life is more simple, I think, than we make it. We make it very complicated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. for sure. That's another reason to never be boring. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true, um, isn't it? It is. And we, we sure make it that way. Yeah, we do. We do. Maybe because it's um, more entertaining sometimes. When things are complicated, it can be like, whoa. But actually, it's quite simple. So everyone calm down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I, I it just, depends how you look at it. I just hope we don't get, we don't complicate things so much that we forget how to and actually see the beauty and enjoy yeah. how simple it can be when it's working. Yeah, totally. You know? Oh, thank you so much. I've loved talking to you today. Yeah, I enjoyed talking to you too. And I love reading all of your lovely bits of wisdom. And I hope that everyone listening to this will also go out and get the, the book. It's so lovely. It really is. Oh, it's got such a nice, oh yeah, it's got such a lovely spirit behind it. And it's, ah, I'm just, I'm just glad that it exists. And thank you. Thank you for doing it. Josh, thank you for having me. Enjoyed talking to you. You're, you're a bright you're welcome. one. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Cheers, darling. Before you click off, I just want to say thank you. Thank you to all of you, whether you listen to every episode or you've only just found us today. It means so much that you're here on this happiness journey with us. My understanding of happiness is changing and evolving every time I speak to one of my amazing guests. But what I really hope is that you're getting something out of it too. That's the point. That's why we do this. I want you to be able to live a happier, more fulfilled life. And one of the easiest ways to do that, as we've learned, is to help the people around you improve theirs. So here's my challenge to you. Think about one thing that you learned from my guest today. Really think about how it could change your happiness or improve your happiness. Now, tell one person. Just one person will do. And make their day a little better. Share the love. Thanks again for listening. See you next time for another cup of happy.